You're listening to Heavenly Warriors. This podcast is for anyone who wants to learn the supernatural truth they won't teach you in traditional churches. I'm your host, former atheist turned exorcist, Rick Bell. I've been a few things in my career, including a decorated police officer, a champion kickboxer, and an author. The years I spent in a patrol car and in a boxing gym were actually God's way of preparing me to help other people become spiritual fighters. Whether you're a Christian or an atheist like I was, you have invisible enemies who want to rob you, attack your family, cause conflict on your job, keep you broke and sick, and destroy all the things you've worked hard to build. These invisible enemies operate in the spirit world and they are very real. My goal is to expose these invisible enemies and get you in fighting shape. Hi, this is Rick Bell. Been away for a while and want to get back to doing these podcasts because I believe now they are more necessary than at any time in life, any time in our history, in my life of 60-something years. This is the most crucial time in America we've ever been in, even uh, World War II when with the threat of the Nazi party taking over the world, the attack on Pearl Harbor. This is a treacherous time. You know, in speaking of the Nazi party, they weren't really ever defeated in World War II. They just went underground. They actually came over here. They were actually brought to the United States to be debriefed and so that our scientists could learn some of the advanced technologies that the Nazis had. We're going to talk about this and more things in this podcast, but let me give you a little refresher of who I am and kind of where how I got here. You heard in the opening, I was an atheist, born and raised in the Catholic Church, and that didn't work for me. So by the time I was about 12 or 13 years old, I was a full-blown atheist, doing my own thing, going my own way. I was not looking for God. I was having a really good time. I was a professional musician playing the electric guitar and in bands and, you know, traveling, doing the whole sex, drugs, and rock and roll thing. It's, it's a real thing, really is. And I had gotten into the martial arts, something I'd wanted to do my entire life. I, my, one of my life goals was, had two of them, three actually. I wanted to be a police officer. I wanted to be a black belt in karate. And I wanted to be a professional guitarist. So I, I actually achieved those three things. When I was a black belt in karate, I uh, taught martial arts during the day. And I played music in a band at night, and I was having a great time. I was 21 years old. I had just turned 21, and I was the co-manager of a Nautilus Fitness Center slash martial arts school. In uh, those days, this was in 1980, the Nautilus craze, those were fitness, a type of fitness equipment, and people would join health clubs and the great thing was they would join, but you'd see them for the first month and you'd never see them again. And they would keep paying. You would sign them on contracts. And again, they'd last for a month, but when they were gone, their payment kept coming out of their checking account. 
that was something called breakage that the fitness industry made a lot of money on that. Uh, when studies were done, they concluded that, that something like 2% of the people who buy health club memberships actually use it more than uh, you know a month or two or whatever that number is. So I was in that business besides playing music, having a great time, had money. I, you know, I had two incomes. I, at the time, had a sports car, a Datsun 240Z, kind of a sporty little thing, and I was just having a great time. Again, an atheist. I laughed at everything, God, whatever. That's the same to me as Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. So one day at around 5 p.m., these three strangers walked into the Nautilus Fitness Center where I taught karate. My job was, when I wasn't teaching karate, I had to take uh, visitors on a tour, quote-unquote, of the facility and get them to sign one of those year-long contracts so we could get their money. <laughs> so I was really good at that. I had nearly a 100% closing technique because, you know, it's not that hard to get $19 a month out of someone that doesn't seem like very much, but it kind of adds up when you have 100 people a week <laughs> paying, you know, signing up to pay that amount. So my job was to sign them, get them signed on the dotted line. I took these two guys and a girl. They were in their mid-20s on the tour. It was a, a certain script that we followed. It was a closing thing that was like really by rote. It just happened. You didn't even have to try. So I took them on the tour brought them into the office. The tour took about 10 minutes. You bring them into the office. You do the quote-unquote, got to have to use this ver vernacular terminology, the paperwork. We came into the office to do the paperwork, and that would take about five minutes. And then they would be on, gone, and I would have their little signed check for to go to get their draft. It's called a bank draft every month. Well, this particular two guys and a girl, they, when I got to the point where I said, just all I need is your authorization right here. You never ask anyone to sign anything. You simply say, I just need you to authorize. And you hand them the pen, lay it on. I mean, this was all scripted out. We had it. It was foolproof. You lay the pen down and it's pointing at where they're supposed to sign. And they naturally pick the pen up and sign and everybody's happy. Everyone's happy. Not this time. They're response to me was, well, we need to go pray about this. What? What do you mean pray about it? I mean, to me, that was a joke. That was the most foolish thing anyone could say and a lame excuse for not joining. But I did, didn't let them see that that's what I was really thinking. I, I covered that up and said, well, tell me about your church. That's the only thing I could think to engage them in dialogue with. Because when someone gives you an objection, you have to engage them in dialogue to get them to open up. What kind of, you know, where do you go to church? And they began to tell me that they went to a non-denominational charismatic church. I'd never heard of anything like that. I responded to them, a non-domination? What is that domination? They said, no, non-denomination. It's, it's like, you've heard of Baptist, Methodist, Catholic. I said, oh, yeah, I've heard of all those. I was a Catholic at one time. They said, that's a denomination. We go attend a non-denominational church. I said, what was that second part you called it? A craftmatic thing? And they said, no, 
It's charismatic, and that's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, by this time, I'm supposed to be doing a, a sales close on these people, and I am getting intrigued with what they're saying. This is sounds crazy to me, but something is pulling me into listening to these people. Now, until this point in my life, I didn't believe in any supreme being or any life after death or anything like that. No such thing as supernatural. That was made up. That was movie people that made that up. Santa Claus, Easter Bunny, Tooth Fairy, all in the same category with God and some guy they talked about named Jesus. Well, these strangers, never seen them in my life, proceeded to tell me about this church they went to and this these gifts of the Spirit. This was crazy to me. I said, what kind of gifts? Do you guys like take presents to church and hand them out like it's Christmas? They said, no, it's not that kind of a gift. It's a spiritual gift. And they started reading off this list of stuff that they believe in, the things that they do. And one of them was they spoke in tongues. They prayed in on different tongues, different languages. I said, "What? what is that? You Like you guys speak in Spanish? And they were, no, it's not necessarily Spanish. It could be, but it's a heavenly prayer language. I'm an atheist, and they're telling me this, and all I want from them is to sign that dotted on the dotted line and get on out of here. The problem was they weren't signing. They were... I was about to get signed, and I didn't even know it. So I asked them if I could hear that tongue thing. I thought this was like a carnival show or something. It's going to be interesting for me to hear them do that. And they said, yeah, I guess so. They bowed their heads, and I pretended to bow mine, but I didn't. I was looking at them the whole time. When they looked up at me, they said, no, not a sound came out. They looked at me and said, we can't do this just to prove to you that God is real because he just spoke to me. And this is a guy telling me this. He's in my office across the desk from me, and he says God just spoke to him and told him that I, the atheist, could speak in a different language and pray in tongues if I wanted to at that moment. And this guy looked at me, this total stranger, looked me in the eye and said, Rick, he called my name, I'll never forget it, Rick, do you want to be born again as a Christian and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in other tongues? I looked at the guy, I said, uh, yeah, I do. And something in me was sincere. The whole uh, joking, laughing at, mocking at God stopped at that moment. Something in me sincerely wanted what these people were talking about. I cannot explain it. I couldn't at the time. I can explain it now. I know what it was. These people, two guys and a girl, stood up from their chair. They were in front of my desk. I was behind my desk doing the paperwork like you would do if you went to buy a car. You would be sitting on one side of the desk, the car salesman on the other side, handing you the paperwork. Same scenario. These people got up, walked behind the desk. They said, we're going to lay our hands on your shoulder. Is that all right? We don't want you to freak out. 
I said, no, nah, yeah, whatever you've got to do. I said, what should I do? And <laughs> the guy, the lead guy, his name was Sam. I'll use his name. Sam said to me, you need, he said, the Lord told him to tell me to forget everything I thought I knew about who God was or who he wasn't. Now, he would have, this guy would have no way of knowing that in my mind, I thought God was like Santa Claus, the same thing. But that's what he told me. He said, the Lord instructed him to tell me, forget everything I thought I knew about who God was, because God was getting ready to show me himself who he was. That's what the guy said. I closed my eyes and I bowed my head for real this time. And these guys started praying. I didn't hear a word they said. Immediately, when I bowed my head, immediately, a warm liquid began to pour down from the crown of my head like honey, the thickness of honey, a warm, slowly moving at about an inch every five or six seconds. This, this, imagine someone pouring a bucket of very thick molasses that's warm over your head. It's, it's flowing. Now, I've heard this. Since that happened to me, many times people recount this exact experience. So this, this molasses is running down. It gets about to my shoulders, and I open my eyes. When I do, my whole office is white light. Now, folks, I'm an atheist. God is like Santa Claus. I'm stone sober, Hadn't had a drop to drink. I'd been teaching martial arts classes. I didn't use drugs at that point. I had it at, at other points. But by then, I'd completely off that because I was training as a professional kickboxer. And I was in shape. My mind was, was completely lucid and healthy. I saw this white light in my office. In that white light, there was a man standing at about... 10 feet from me, maybe 15 feet. He was in that light, and I couldn't see his face or any of his features, but he stood there with his arms open out to the side as if someone saying, you know, come here, I'm going to give you a hug, that kind of a thing. And he stood there, and he spoke to me, but he didn't say any words. It was totally telepathic. He spoke and said to me, I am Jesus, come to me. I spoke back to him without saying a word. I spoke in my mind. You'll understand when you get to heaven, hey, folks, it's real. I spoke in my mind to him, I'm, yes, Lord, I'm coming. At that moment, I closed my eyes again. That molasses continued to run all the way down until it hit the bottoms of my feet. My whole body immersed in it. All of a sudden, there began a, there began a spasm in my jaw. When that spasm began, I started uttering sounds that were a language that I did not speak. You've got to now keep this in, in your frame of reference. I'm an atheist. I don't, I've never heard of this stuff, much less heard anyone talk about or pray in any kind of unknown language. I'm doing it. 
I'm sitting, there's no power of suggestion or psychosomatics involved because they didn't tell me how to do it. I'd never heard anyone. I didn't know what it was. I'm doing it. When I opened my eyes, about 45 minutes later, I've been in this language the whole time. I opened my eyes and my whole life is different. When I look at the color, and I've heard other people recount this exact story, I thought I was you know, unique for many years until the advent of the internet, and you start hearing things. I looked at the colors, and they jumped out at me. I've never seen colors before. I wasn't colorblind, but it was like there was a veil over my eyes, and I didn't know it. It was all I ever knew. The colors of the world were so bright, it was like I went from, and I'm not exaggerating any of this, it was like I went from watching an old black and white movie to a, an IMAX theater with vivid colors jumping off the screen at you. It was that much difference. I smelled fragrances that I'd never smelled before. Uh, just wonderful fragrances. I had this feeling that I was a newborn baby. Now, why would I have that feeling? I had no frame of reference to the term called being born again. I didn't know that. I'd never cracked open a Bible. Believe me, we don't do that in a Catholic church. The priest did that. I'd never heard of being born again. I knew at that moment I was a baby. I felt like a baby who had just been born. There was no what I would come to find out feeling of sin on me. It's the most unbelievable, incredible feeling you'll ever have. At that moment, something spoke to me and said, this is how you're going to feel when you take your first step into heaven. This is how everyone feels when they take their first step into heaven. Oh my, oh man, I'm telling you, Cloud nine, I was higher than that. I've never been as high as that in my life. And I'm just so excited. I'm talking to these people that had told me about this experience. It happened to me. And they're going, their, their jaws are kind of dropped because this was not the norm for most people they witnessed to. Now, I didn't know that. I would come to find that out. But I was kind of, uh, you know, a miracle story for them, a good testimony for them. So... And they explained to me a little bit about what had happened to me and said that when they left, there would be an attack on me, the enemy. They told me that there was this thing called the devil, and there's God and the devil, and there's a good and a bad, and I'm encapsulating this to not make this too long, but they gave me a little short history on good versus evil and that I had been in the camp of the devil, the enemy. But the Lord had come in and done an ambush that night and stolen me out of the devil's camp, and I was now in God's camp. Now, look, this may sound crazy to you. It would have to me, too, but I'm telling you exactly what happened to me. I, I've got nothing to gain by doing this. I'm not getting paid to tell you these things, but I'm telling you what happened to me. You, you can read things in, in books, and you can see them on the Internet, whatever, but when it happens to you, uh, you know it's real. So when they left, sure enough, that voice came to me and said, those people are crazy, they're nuts, that was power of suggestion, blah, blah. But they told me before they left, when that voice 
comes to you, you use the word to defeat that voice. And I didn't know what the word was. I thought the word was a password or a secret code word. I was, I was ignorant of all this. I said, what's the password? What's the code? They said, no, no, the word is the Bible. You recite a scripture when the devil comes. A scripture is what's in the Bible, those, those paragraphs, those sentences. They're called scriptures. He said, he made me write this down. Greater is he that is in me than he that is within the world. Made me write it down. I grabbed the little piece of paper. They were, they were gone. It was me alone in there. And this horrible stench, stinky smell started coming down over my head. This filthy, nasty feeling started. I mean, instantly, they had not been out of my office 10 seconds and out the door until this putrid, the, the, everything got dim again. Those colors went away. I grabbed that piece of paper and said, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. And at that moment, those colors brightened again. That stench went away. Everything was back to that place I was. And I knew at that moment, this, this is real. This is not some made-up psychosomatic bad trip on acid or, or drank too much tequila and you had a vision. This, is, this was real. It happened to me. That was in 1980, September 17th. Never forget it. So from then on, I knew this was real. So I would talk to people about it, not realizing they were going to think I was crazy because this is so far against the natural state of people. Just like me, if someone would have come to me, but I didn't think about this at the time, because when you become a new creature, a new person, you're born again, you're different. You don't think the same way. But if I would have stopped to think, talking to these secular people, that means secular, you know, means they, they, they could care less about God. They weren't Christian followers of Jesus like I was not. But when I would talk to them, they would reject me and say, man, you you need to go see a psychiatrist or something. You've had like a, they thought, my friends actually thought I'd been abducted by some kind of alien. They thought that's really what they thought because I was so different. My personality changed instantly. I was not the same person. This is what happened to me. Now, I'm, I tell you that story just to kind of set up all the things that I talk about on Heavenly Warriors. <sighs> Thing, these are things that have happened to me. In 2012, I mean, okay, so I was born again in 1980 and on fire, and literally everyone I talked to for the first six months just about fell out in the, you know, speaking in tongues. Now, I'm, I'm serious. My musician friends who were just as much atheists as me, I would witness and talk to them, and they would start speaking in tongues it, right there. At a band rehearsal, it, it was the craziest thing, but it was because I was radioactive. When you've had an encounter with God, you become contagious and radioactive, just like if you'd been exposed to something else. You're, you're contagious, so they got that for a while. But, but what no one taught me and what I'm trying to teach you is, no matter what kind of experience you had one day with God and got born again and, and super on fire, those old 
habits, we'll call them. They're demonic strongholds. Demons are real. They, they are real. One-third of the ministry Jesus did was dealing with demons. They're not on vacation. They haven't retired. They haven't gone anywhere. They've just strengthened in our world today. No one taught me that even though I'd been born again and had all these you know, powerful experiences, you're, you will tend to cool off of that over the months and the years. And you'll tend to drift back in to what we would call the world or how things function. And we're told not to be part of that world system, but we've got, we have to function in it. We have to get along with people. We can't come off as kooky or weird or bizarre. We are peculiar, but if we come off as weird and kooky to, to the non-Christians, they're just going to ostracize us and not want to have anything to do with us. You have to function in that world, okay? So no one told me that the demons, the, the issues I had before from being adopted and given away at birth and blah, oh, there are a lot of them. I have a book called Boxing Blindfolded with Demons that uh, will be out in the spring, hopefully, of uh, 2023. You need to read my whole life story. It's, it's quite a doozy. No one told me that those issues are still there until they are dealt with because they are demonic strongholds in your life. They are a claim check to you. They've got a claim on you. Uh, you know, maybe you'll understand this. If you go and get a second mortgage, you get what they call a home equity loan. Let's say your house is paid for, but you want, you need $20,000 to put a new roof on or whatever. You go to the bank and you get a home equity loan. Well, you sign your, your house over to the bank for that $20,000. And until every penny of it is paid back with interest, whatever, they own your house, okay? They have a claim to your house. It doesn't matter if you borrowed 20000 and paid $19,999.50 back to them. You still owed them $0.50. Cents, they'll take your house, all right? That, that's what the claim is. When you've had issues in your life, the demonic strongholds, they can come through your family line. They be passed generation after generation. They get hooks in you, and they, they will come back and start working their way back into your life. That's what happened to me. It happens to everyone because you don't know how to deal with them. My people, the Bible says that God's people perish for a lack of knowledge. They don't know how to deal with this stuff. They don't know what is even happening to them. They just wake up one day after they've had God experiences growing up or whatever. They wake up one day and go, what happened to me? What happened to my life? How did I get so off track? You know what I'm talking about. You've probably been there. Happened to me. Life ended up in a, you know, a ditch, a train wreck of my own you know, decisions based on, this is very important, those issues that I'd never dealt with. Those insecurities and rejection issues and all that, those are demonic strongholds hooked in your life. You don't understand it like I didn't because no one taught me. The church didn't talk about it. In 2012, I was uh, <laughs> going through things, significant things, and the Lord spoke to me and said, now I'm activating you in deliverance. 
You need to get into deliverance and you need to start teaching people the same things you learned as a fighter. I was a champion kickboxer and I trained fighters, professional fighters at the professional level. George Foreman was in his uh, comeback and I was involved in all that. He was in my hometown, a little town called Marshall, Texas. You can look it up. That's where George was training and my boxing gym was right there, Rick Bell's Karate Fitness Center. And I trained fighters and I was one of them. I was also a police officer. So I understood how to fight and how to to deal with things. So God called me to do that. And he put me on a fast track to start to help people. That's the whole setup for how I'm, what I'm doing right now, what I'm talking to you about. So one of the things I want to say to you right now is something, um, we're in a vortex. We're in a spiritual war like never before in the history of mankind right now. The United States of America is the stronghold of all things Christian. You you know that. All things about Jesus Christ, and he is the only way. There's no other way. I'm, I'm sorry, New Age people, that, you know, you've got some good things to, to teach, but when it comes to how to get to the Father, it's going to be through Jesus, the one that came and died and was raised again. But uh, some revelations are coming out right now that are just shattering, earth-shattering, literally. There's so many that I could spend the next month every day just talking about one of them. Here's, here's something that was mentioned uh, this past week. There's a, a show on Fox News called uh, Tucker Carlson, and he's a commentator. He does news and things like that. I don't watch much television at all. Occasionally, I'll flip it on just to see what they're talking about, maybe once a week, to see what usually the enemy's doing, because that's how you find out what the devil's doing by turn on turning on the news. Tucker Carlson had a bombshell report that the CIA was involved with the assassination of John F. Kennedy in 1963. Now, if you stop and think about it, many things did not add up with that whole assassination. First of all, if you ever saw a film called the Zapruder film, it was an individual who took a home movie of the time, the actual instance that John Kennedy was shot in the head. That film clearly shows a bullet coming from the front of Kennedy, hitting his forehead, blowing the back of his head out, and thrusting his head backward. You also saw him grabbing his throat at the same time because a bullet went into the front of his throat. Lee Harvey Oswald was behind him in the the book depository in Dallas. I've been there. I've been in that room. I've looked out that window. I'm in Texas, and I'm only a couple hours from Dallas. And if you've never been there, go and see Dealey Plaza. It's it's a a museum-type thing, tourist attraction. There's no way. We knew there was no way that... Lee Harvey Oswald, with a bolt-action rifle, could have gotten those shots off and caused the back of the head of the president to blow off. This is common sense. We all we know these things, but somehow we just forget about it and take them at their word. And their movies come out, like the JFK movie. I think Oliver Stone did that movie. and had all these things in it. Well, the people who are in charge say, that's conspiracy theory. That's their favorite word. That's a conspiracy theory. Those are 
kooky tinfoil hat people. Unfortunately, you have to look at the reality of how things really are and don't believe what someone tells you. Believe your eyes, believe your ears, what you see. So anyway, Tucker Carlson said that they have said they were going to release the findings of that case from 1963. They had the Kennedy files. They have refused to turn those over to the public for all these years. They actually passed a law at some time uh, a few years ago that said those files have to be made public by 2017. They refused to make them public. Ask yourself, why would that be? That happened in 1963. If they were trying to protect the identities of so-called Secret Service uh, uh, CIA agents or whatever, those people are dead. It's, it's been a long time ago. What would be the reason they would so now guard that? Common sense. There's only one reason. It's because they want to hide something. They don't want you to see something. So on Tucker Carlson's show, he reported that they had reached out to someone who has seen the files, a high-level government official who's, who knows this stuff, and they asked him directly, was the CIA involved? This is the United States of America, CIA, our intelligence agency. The man's reply, and this was a credible man. Again, he's not some flake or kook. Credible man said, yes, they were involved. The country that you think America is, it is not. Everything has been fake. They've been lying all these years. This is a credible person. This caused the whole staff at Tucker Carlson to basically go, what? So, yeah, they've been lying about that and, and anything else. So if they lied about that in 1963, you must understand the repercussions of that. And many in the, it's not about a Republican or a Democrat. This is good versus evil. In 1963, an evil cabal, they will call them the CIA, but it's deeper than that. It's what we now know as the deep state, the deep state. It's real. It's not a conspiracy theory. They were involved, apparently, in the assassination of a president of the United States. If that is true, if that is true, everything since that point in November of 1963 has been an illusion. Nothing is real. The elections, you know, they we talked about election uh, theft and the, the fraud. Use your common sense, people. Do you really think Joe Biden got more votes than any president in the history of America without ever campaigning by staying in his basement? Do you believe that? It doesn't pass the common sense test. It is mathematically impossible for Joe Biden to have won that contest. It's mathematically impossible. If you look at the math and the numbers, folks, wake up. Take what you see and what you hear and believe it. So if the CIA was involved with the Kennedy assassination and something they don't want us to know is being hidden, since it's starting to look like they really were, everything since then has been controlled by them, the CIA slash deep state. It's all been controlled by them. They're in charge. All the elections all the stuff that happens, the Vietnam War, they call the shot. They're in charge. They have been in charge. And this is not about Trump or anything. But when Donald Trump came into the mix, they went crazy. They cooked up a hoax 
that tried to prove he was colluding with Russia when all the time they were colluding. They were literally doing it. His opponent, Hillary Clinton, paid for Russian dirt that was fake. It was made up in a dossier called the Steele dossier. It's mind-blowing to even begin to talk about this. But they've been in charge this whole time. They're in charge now. What I'm The reason I'm telling you all of this is because they're after us. It's not Donald Trump that they want. It's the Christians. You can call them the patriot movement, whatever that is. It's the Christians. Most patriots are probably Christians. I don't know that, but that's what I would suppose. They're after the Christians, and the only thing that stops them or slows them down at all is the prayers of the Christian people. See, our prayers go up into that heavenly realm where the heavenly warfare is is fought, and that somehow slows them down. Or we would all be in concentration camps by now. If there wasn't something restraining them, the Bible talks about the restrainer. I believe the restrainer is the Holy Spirit. The Bible's not clear on what that the restrainer is, but you look that up yourself and, and see. Let the Lord show you. But our place in this is to be the the prayer machine. We've got to shoot the big guns of prayer at them. That's the only ammunition. That's the only weapons we have. Our weapons are not carnal. That means they're not human, you know, cannons and guns and all that. They're not carnal. They're supernatural. They're spiritual. This is a spiritual war. They are attacking us in the spirit realm, and we have to respond in the spirit realm. That's the only way to respond. But apparently, that is a hindrance to them because that's why they want us out of the picture. If we were not a threat to them, if we were not causing them uh, their plans to be thwarted, they would just let us ride off into la-la land sunset. They could care less about Christian people. They would just find some law to lock us all up. They would have already done that, but they can't do it because there's enough prayer power. There's something going on that's blocking it, that's saving us. We won't understand it maybe on this side, but when we get to heaven, we'll understand. But for now, what I'm telling you, heavenly warriors, as you listen to this, you have to engage in prayer daily, hour by hour, and that doesn't mean you stop what you're doing and get on your knees and you know clasp your hands in front of you and say, our Father who art in heaven. That may be fine if you do that, but I'm talking about living and walking and breathing in a constant state of prayer, of God consciousness, a type of meditation, but just thinking on the things of God more than you ever have done in your life. I highly encourage you to have music playing in your background just all day at a low level of praise music, something Christian, whatever kind of Christian music you like, turn it on low. If it speaks to your spirit and gets you, you feel closer to God, you feel the anointing when it's on you, please do that. We have to have all hands on deck right now because it is an emergency that we pray. We pray for God's hand, his, his wisdom, his strength for all of us to be able to stand when we've done all that we can do to be able to keep standing. God bless you. This is Rick Bell with Heavenly Warriors. Thank you for listening to Heavenly Warriors. You can find the show notes for this episode, including links to everything we talked about at rickbellwriting.com. That's R-I-C-K-B-E-L-L writing, W-R-I-T-I-N-G dot com. 
If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe to Heavenly Warriors and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or Audible. Do you know someone who would enjoy Heavenly Warriors? Please share the love and send them a link to this episode. We only grow when our listeners share our podcasts, and we really appreciate it when you do. If you would like to get in touch with us for a question or a comment, you can go to our website, rickbellwriting.com, and sign up for our contact list. Once you do, you'll receive an email with the special phone number to our listener helpline. We invite you to call our helpline and tell us your story. Leave us a message, and if you need us to call you, we'll try to get back to you. Thanks for listening, and God bless you.